Hi, everyone. I'm Lorianne. I am the host of Bleep Bulimia. And uh, thank you for listening. And today, I'm really pleased to be back online again and with my guest, Trisha. Can Parado. you say your last name? Parado. <laughs> Parado. That's beautiful. International Master Addiction Specialist in Eating Disorders, Disordered Eating, and Recovery Fitness and Nutritional, and so much more. Also an <laughs> author. I mean, I'm sorry, there's just so much about you that uh, is wonderful. And I'm so glad to have you here today. So we're going to start off with how did you get into this? Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's a really big loaded question. My story or my, you know, my journey started at the age of four um, <laughs> and, and, you know, just really expanded from there. And, and, you know, it's a good you know, my, my struggles are a good 30 years long. My recovery journey is a good 25 years long. And I've been recovered for over 10. Um, and, and so, and, and when I say recovered, I mean, fully, because not everything was ready to recover at the same time. So, you know, it just, you know, but I think I was, you know, born with control needs and perfectionism. Um, you know, at, at four, I was reading, writing, doing arithmetic, playing chess by five and a half. I was playing classical piano and by seven, I was competitively swimming. And, um, in that, you know, um, there, there was, so there was a ton of great things that were happening in my life, but there was also a lot of, you know, struggle and turmoil and trauma. Um, my first sexual assault was at the age of four, at the age of four, I witnessed my dad be struck by lightning. He did survive, but, you know, and, and so there were just things that, that were happening and unfolding in my life. And I am a survivor of numerous um, sexual assaults and rape in, in a, in a, you know, specific time period of life um, and, you know, domestic violence and um, emotional neglect and, uh, you know, just a lot of things. And, and so something that I could control because my dad, was killed when I was 12. Something that I could control was how well I did in school, right? So by the time I was in sixth grade, I was already done with 10th grade work and, 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 right? And, um, you know, I could control what I put in my body. I could control the size of my waistline and being a competitive swimmer it made it really easy, right? To overeat, but then, you know, work it off. And, you know, all of these things, and, um, uh, you know, then I have, I was given, you know, I was given a rare blood type that, that generally speaking, just promotes it attacking itself. So I'm a double negative. Um, and so my body started attacking itself at a young age. And so my biological clock went off at 16. So at 16, it was time for me to have the one and only child that I would ever be able to conceive. Although I do have five children, I only conceived one. Um, and lost a few after that. Um, and, and so I, I've been a parent since I was 17 years old and I love every minute of it. And, um, you know, so in that, you know, even if I back up a little bit, right, like I, I learned at the age of 12 that, you know, coping with things outside of me, right. Like assigning emotional purpose to things like food, alcohol, shopping, people, pleasing codependency, um, and, you know, like this, this deep seated need to be seen and heard and, 
um, and experienced uh, as, as, a, as a relevant being because I never felt I was. In fact, my nightmares were of me standing in the middle of my driveway with everybody around, my entire family, every neighbor, every everybody being there and me screaming for help and nobody could hear me. And this dream, this dream was in my life from probably the age of six until I met my spouse at 26. <laughs> right. And, and that, that took some time to go away, but he really did allow me to um, experience what unconditional positive regard is and, and, and can be. I um, mean, it's amazing. So I have a lot of different, again, a lot of loss, a lot of senseless death. I have a lot of near death experiences of my own. Um, I have healed and removed multiple autoimmune diseases from my life all through my journey of healing from my eating disorders, disordered eating and negative attachments with food and body dysmorphia. Um, anyway, I hope that sort of answered how I got here. And then of course there was, you know, a really, you know, a lot of years of studying um, because I just had to understand myself. Um, so after five and a half years of study, um, deep study and 15 credentials later, here I am. <laughs> 15 credentials, that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. studying, yes, I understand that. I did a lot of that. Uh, back when I started, my eating disorder was back in 1980. There wasn't a lot out there, a lot, a lot on anorexia, but I, I, I have to say they're different, like bulimia and anorexia as much as they're both yeah. eating disorders, they're different. And I felt lost and, and alone, not being able to find what I was looking for and not even any psychiatrist or psychologist. Uh, there was one counselor who kind of understood it, um, but they didn't, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, studying was important, but I luckily now there's a lot more out there um, to be able to help us with that. So in the eating disorder, so you specialize in that. I'm I'm interested because this is something that I'd like my listeners to hear about. What, how do you, so you help people with it. How do you go about doing that? Well, you know, again, in my own journey, like I really realized that, you know, standardized treatments are amazing. You know, they're wonderful and they can help get us that, that stabilization. Sure. Right. Because I, I'm like you, right. Like my bulimia looked maybe different than some people's do. Um, I, I was first anorexic and then, you know, you know, shifted into, you know, it's really when I uncovered the body dysmorphia and, and it really started to become highly prevalent, which then, you know, then moving into, you know, a person that ate <laughs> from that anorexia, right? Like it would be like, I ate last week, right? Like it was, it was kind of that severe for me um, for a while. And, um, and then when I moved into, you know, you went through the refeeding, I guess is the best way that I can, and anybody listening that, that can relate to that would understand when I went into that, the body dysmorphia became hugely prevalent, right? Like front and center, because anything that went in really distorted, you know, the view of what I saw. And so, you know, the compensatory measures that, you know, I went through for years of, you know, always, you know, that, so that was a significant period where the, you know, the anorexia was a little bit shorter in duration for me, luckily. Um, but so what I, what I learned and I uncovered was, you know, we can get that stabilization by, you know, removing ourselves and putting ourselves in this like 
you know, bubble where we have, you know, clinicians and practitioners hovering over us and, you know, like telling us what to eat and how to measure, you know, all of the things we can do that, but we still have to go home. You know, we mm-hmm. have to re-enter and re- <clears throat> reintegrate into this thing called society. And, and, and we have to do it with dignity and grace and, and all the while, you know, have, you know, some internal confidence and, and, and a, you know, a way of loving ourselves first and foremost. And so in my studies, you know, I uncovered, and, and this is going to sound mainstream, and this is going to, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, I have that, right? But I uncovered the emotional intelligence we didn't know we didn't have, but need in order to be successful in life going forward. Um, so I, and I, and I, you know, the coaching mod- model, modality is what I was trying to say. <laughs> the coaching modality really spoke to me, right? So I went, as I was getting my psych degree, I was really leaning into coaching as an effective psychological practice because therapy for me and counseling for me, which, you know, I'm a counselor for, you know, um, addiction treatment. Um, but, you know, they, they, to me were very circular, right? Like there was, it was very round and round and round. And we talked around a lot and we sat in things a lot, but there was no real forward momentum. So mm-hmm. as I was studying and learning the psychological skill sets, tactics, methods, modalities, research, all the things that, that we, we learn as practitioners, I, because I was also in my recovery journey, right? <laughs> I became my first test client anyway. Um, and, and wow, was I successful. I converted it all to an effective coaching practice, right? So now what I've done is I've taken all of those evidence-based practices and and put it in a way that we can learn the practical application in our lives as we're living it. So it's very real in, you know, right here, right now, in today, going forward. So we're, we're cultivating that, those, the emotional intelligence So it's, you know, one, you know, really breaking things down and getting to know ourselves in in some very critical categories Um, and and really finding a way to understand. And this is truly important in the eating disorder world, right? We really have to get in there and understand what we feel, hear, say, and believe. This is the only way we can truly understand how we operate. Um, and, and, you know, then we have to have very actionable things when it comes to life balance. It's not just, um, you know, work life, home life balance. It's, you know, it's a, it's a lot more than that, right? There's, I look at 14 categories when we're looking at how we really look at the fulfillment of our life. And, and we also have to remove that comparison where it's, you know, um, we're looking at and comparing ourselves to other people. So what goes into my spirituality bucket isn't what goes into your spirituality bucket, you know, and same for recreation, development, et cetera. And we also have to know how to get centered and grounded in any moment. Because I'm telling you what, when we're at the grocery store, like it can be super derailing. And when we're at the check stand, the last thing we can do is sit down and go into meditation or drop into a downward dog. Like we cannot rely on things outside of us to get centered, grounded, to bring us peace, joy, comfort, relief, whatever it is that we need in that moment, it's got to be here. It's got to be a go-to thing that we can visualize, that we can say to ourselves. So I teach the practical application of that. So we have those now things, right? 
It allows us to stop the knee jerk, right? The knee jerk impulsive reactivity so that we can abandon the reactions and, and become truly responsive in all things that we do. And in order for that to happen, we have to really look at that external locus of control. And that's that reliance on things outside of us. Again, whether it's you know overindulgence or if it's underindulgence or if it's other people, whatever it is, people places things outside of us that we rely on to, to tell us that we have value and that we're valid, right? The, that worthiness. Or, or even just to bring us peace, joy, comfort, and relief, right? Like as children, you fall down, you scrape your knee, you're given what? A popsicle, right? Yeah, and <laughs> mommy and mommy helps you with your knee and yeah. you're getting the love and attention and yeah. And, and we're yeah. all born in that position, but we're supposed to move out of it. And we do to some degree, we get into that autonomy to choose who we want to be as a being, et cetera. But we don't ever truly learn, especially our generation didn't, right? How not to just sweep things under the rug and rely on the clothes that we wear or the way that we look physically and the praise that we receive, et cetera. Right? We have to we have to remove that. We have to truly get into this space of internal internal love, right? Like internal, you know, locus of control. Um, May I interject just quickly, if you don't mind, but that's really interesting because just recently, so for one, I don't agree in the life and work balance. I don't think that life has a balance. You have to, like, I understand you have to work it, but at any one day you wake up, you can't say, I'm going to balance this this way. I mean, oh. I'm a Libra and I know that my life is not balanced, like, right? Uh, the yeah. other thing too is, um, you know, when you're going and shopping and stuff, like, I mean, one of my biggest things was uh, fear of food. I don't have that anymore. So removing the fear of food, but that took time to also remove the fear of how people are thinking about me, the fear about how I'm perceived by other people, again, same type of thing, the fear of, of not being loved. And when I ended up, figuring out that I love myself. I, I mean, I've been alone for quite a few years now and it was good and telling to myself to do that. It was necessary. And I learned to love myself. And I think that that is so when you understand, right. That the fears or the, or the controls of other people are not there. You have no excuse. <laughs> and that's being me, but you don't. I was being, I was telling myself that I don't want to tell the listeners that, but I had no excuse. So right. what was I doing? And yes, going like I managed to get through it on my own with the help of my sister who loved me dearly. But if you don't have a sister, it's, it's to go to someone like you to realize this is doable. Like this is really doable. Absolutely. And what you're referring to here is, is such a critical piece, right? Being able to walk through that grocery store and be comfortable with whoever's mm -hmm. around you, regardless of what it is you're putting in your cart or not putting in your cart, right? <laughs> and, and, and not feeling like <clears throat> you're, you know, being stared at or judged. And, and so in order to, to really create that feeling that, that you have, right? That 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 personal love, we 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 have we need a filtrating boundary system. And boundaries in my practice is completely different than mainstream USA, you know, general population terminology for for boundaries. It's an actual filtration system. 
It allows you to be in control of what you allow in. It allows you to be in control of what you, you know, put out. Um, and it, it's a protection for, for you and your environments, but your emotional, right? Like, so we have our, you know, emotional uh, filtration system and, and physical, right? So it's a, it's just a, a the living, breathing organism that we create for ourselves. <clears throat> and the hard fat stops we save for limits and limitations, because if you look them up by definition, they actually are more representative of what everybody re refers to as a boundary, right? A hard fast stop is a limit or a limitation. And, and so you get those all working together and you have this effective system to where you can feel comfortable. Um, you can feel free. You can feel protected. You can feel whatever it is you need to, no matter what environment you are in. And it is just truly transformative. And it allows you to move into the work that is even more important, right? Getting, you know, getting effective and doing what works. So always, you know, being able to, tap into being mindful and willing, right? Assertiveness. Assertiveness is so much more than what we think it is, right? Assertiveness is open, honest, genuine, transparent, and authentic communication, action, whatever behavior, whatever, you know, adjective you need to use it for. It, it, it's always open, honest, genuine, transparent, and authentic. That is a true assertive being. And so, but to do that, we have to know how we handle ourselves. And how we hear, like what filter am I, you know, really allowing things to come in through? And, and what is my secret to resolution for me to change that, you know, the dialogue, to change the the emotion, to to take take all this past baggage or weight that is holding me back, that is, you know, other people's messages, right? Um, you know, I have I have a client the other day and we were working on this. Um, because she's she's by no means overweight. However, back in childhood, dad had a specific thing that he said to the to the girls with regularity about, you know, the food on their plate, how much of it they ate, um, and and what not to look like. And 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 yeah. the the you know, the translation in her brain was way different than the translation in her sister's brain. So, you know, we had to, you know, we had to take a look at that. That was never your message to own, right? That was somebody else's thought. That was somebody else's feelings. That was somebody else's opinion. That was somebody else's definition of what thin is or what overweight is. Not yours. You adopted it, but you can you can put it back down. We have to, you know, we have to do some work to get it removed and and into that round can. But we can we can remove those things. I mean, it's and it's not as difficult as it sounds if you are a willing participant to to find the secret to resolution for you um and which is re really helpful i have another question trisha because you sit there and you talk about your the five and and they're and they're perfectly bright authenticity though comes with i like that you're talking about that being able to and and whoever is listening uh once you have those five you do need to have to learn how to have those filters I mean, I know my mother can, I love my mother. I adore my mother, but Italian and she can say things. And there was a time where, I mean, I would just avoid her because I, I got so pained by what she would say, but she grew up in that kind of honesty. And, and it was like, well, why are you getting upset? Why are you getting upset? Why do I? Yes. Right. But, yes. but when you become authentic and honest, you, you're going to have to have those filters to say, okay, so I, 
understanding the other person where they're coming from, I would imagine some of the stuff that you're going to be teaching. Sure. And then even when I, when I, I got my, I, I just got a job nine months ago, absolutely adore it. But this one lady, she just did not like him. I was really impressed with my filters. Sorry, but it was, and I was really proud of myself. Awesome. I didn't tell anyone. She was being really cold to me. Didn't speak to it about anyone. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing and she'll come around and she's going to get to know me. And she did. And we are really close now. Yay. But it takes that patience. But anyone who does not know how to deal with those filters, I love you're talking about because they really do know have to learn them. They really do. Well, and that's that. that and you are absolutely 100 percent correct. Right. Because that external boundary, depending upon how how strong it needs to be. Right. It protects you from what you let in the, you know, and of course you got to have your temporal, right? Because that's that emotional piece. It's always got to be kind of activated, right? Because, ah, ooh, I feel like I'm going to react, you know, yeah. you know, have a negative emotional reaction to that. But the internal one protects you and the recipient, right? Yes. The recipient of what it is you're about to say. And so, yes, there is a piece in there where we learn, you know, um, that, that communication elegance. And, and so, and, 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 and it's, it's a really important piece because there's a way to, to be open, honest and genuine and transparent and authentic, but to do so with, you know, dignity and grace and, and compassion and all the things. Right. And then, and then there's some people that, you know what, ah, and, and I'm a master at this. I um, mean, my, it, it drives my husband insane, to be honest, but I'm a master at saying nothing, even though I have something very valuable to add, because the, I can tell that the person that, that would be receiving it isn't open to receiving. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, what, you know, what I know, what I have to say, right, is very valuable. And I no longer in, in this season of life wasted on dead airspace. I refuse to, to waste my gift on dead airspace. So, so it's, you know, it's almost a, a, you know, a request, like, are you open to receive what it is that I want, you know, want to say, and it doesn't, it doesn't always sound that way, right? Like it's gotta be a normal language, normal people language, but it, it might be, you know, you know, just even knowing how to, you know, validate that you hear what they're saying first and asking them, like, you know, do you even want to hear you know, mm -hmm. my thoughts, feelings, emotions, opinions, beliefs, needs, wants, dreams, desires, whatever it is, right? Like, do you even want to hear that? Because if you're not open to receive, then we're not having a conversation. You just wanted to share, right? So we go through this whole, again, it's a living, breathing organism that we get to have and we we learn how to use it. And it it's, it's definitely an art form that has to be cultivated. It has to be nurtured. And then it gets to be conditioned over time. And we learn how to utilize it in the different categories that of course also always are shape-shifting um so that it, it's definitely you know a, a good you know long lesson and and all of the processes i teach right we learn the practical application but we bring you know number one comes to number two and then number one and two go with you to three and number one two and three go with right like it's it's a building of of an inner working um, that that allows you to again control your moments, um, have the ability to face being distressed, um, 
how to truly engage in effective distraction because obviously our our coping skills in distressful situations aren't necessarily have been, they haven't been serving us we've got to learn like you know effective productive proactive um you know distraction techniques and self-soothing techniques and 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 all you know also that we can start improving our experiences which is what, what really enables us to leave the pain behind and start leading with a new lens, right? I have, I have a question for you. This is a big one. This is a big one. Let me have <laughs> forgiveness, it. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I went many years not forgiving a sister and this year I did. And I did, I forgave, but then my thought was, well, I forgive you, but I don't want to be around you. Then I thought, but the, the anger was still there. So I finally spoke to her and I and I told her everything that bothered me and what, what hurt me and how she hurt me. So now we speak. Um, I always say that I hold, uh, I, I do hold that, that, that boundary <laughs> after what happened, but it's nice to be able to speak. And to be and for me to have been able to communicate everything that went out. And there was a freedom. It was like my other sister said, really? And even her daughter said, Really? You did that? How could you speak to her after that? And I'm going, it was free for me. It was like it was actually um selfish in a way, because for me, I needed that to finalize a piece of anger. And like granted, I 12 years recovered from bulimia, but, but, but emotional, there was still something there that was bothering me and now it's gone. But I luckily that could have kept me stuck in my bulimia. It didn't, thankfully it could have, but it got me stuck in this, not be able to be full freedom of release. Right. Does that make sense? It makes a hundred percent sense. And, and it's exactly right in line with, you know, where, where I was in my processes, right? Which is again, in that leaving the pain behind, leading with a new lens, right? We start by learning how to effectively identify and describe our emotions, um, how, to, how to observe them and visualize ourselves letting them go. And then that gives us that secret to regulating our emotions which allows us to reduce our vulnerability. However, in that conversation, in that space, right? So when we're talking about relationships where maybe there was discord, where there's um, disconnect, right? Where there's estrangement, where there's past hurts or harms, right? Um, you know, I have I've been violated by people in what we would be considered an inner circle um, and as, you know, in, in adolescence and, and, you know, it to this day, you know, can on occasion run into that person. That person is still engaged with some of my, what would be considered my inner circle. I technically call them my outer circle. And you'll understand what I'm saying here, but I can still be around that person. Um, you know, first of all, it's been, you know, like 40 something years, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but in this work, right? So we have our spheres of influence and and 
you know, we have our nucleus, we have our inner circle, we have our outer circle. I have, you know, what, what I teach, what we, we call our toxic circle. And then we have that outer realm, which is the nunya, right? <laughs> like they, you know, it, it, I, there's just no use for this. There's no sense in even trying whatever, right? Like it's, you know, yeah. don't wish you harm. I wish you well, but bye. Um, yeah. So in that, in that sphere of influence, I teach people how to, to maintain a relationship, even when it's somebody that would you want in your nucleus, right? But you have, you know, situations or or topics or environments, things that that don't work. That that you can move that person to the toxic for that event. You can move that person to the toxic for that conversation for that topic. You can, mm-hmm. you know, and so everything because everybody in life, right? Like it's so rigid. Everything is so black and white. And, and we tend to, and I, I urge everybody, and I didn't even bring this up yet, but one of the first things we learn is how to get out of the stance of a judger and into the stance of a learner, right? So if, if, if you are in a judging stance, everything's black and white, you either agree with me or you don't agree with me. There's no, there's no um, ability to having differing views and opinions, something I believe is hugely wrong in society. Um, and, and I think if we all could kind of get into that stance of a learner where where acceptance can actually exist and breathe and, and be malleable, right? Like, so we need resilience. We need to be bendable, flexible, pliable um, to, to actually survive and thrive in living. And, and so, I mean, that means when you're driving down the freeway, if somebody's tailgating you, instead of doing oh, a meet, oh. right? I'm German, Irish, Scottish, <laughs> Sicilian, right? Taurus, born, Tesla, Gemini. Oh, whoa. Born and raised in Southern California, driving on the LA freeways, right? So if somebody would be tailgating me, my first demo was slam on the brakes, right? Yeah. You, you, want, you want to be that close to me here. But in my work, I, I you know, I, and I, I actually used this space as a big training area for me. But I learned how to look at that and say, you know what? This person that is, you know, on my rear end, right? Like, I don't know that. Yeah, sure. They could have stayed up late partying, could be running late for their, you know, meeting and, you know, whatever it is, right? They could really be a, a jack, you know what, right? But honestly, I or don't they know. might be a lovely person trying to get to their mother or, well, exactly, or, yes, or whatever, right? right? They, they kin, the analogy I make, yeah, the analogy I use is that, you know what, I don't know them. I'm just going to move over because. For all I know, their kid just got hit by a train and they're just trying right. to get emergency room, right? Like moving over and, and you know, giving them a blessing, wishing them well, a safe landing to wherever they're going takes far less energy and is so much more fulfilling and rewarding than all yes. of that angry, judgmental yeah. finger pointing, right? Like, ugh. and I just noticed it in so many areas of my life and I, I, I witness and observe it in so many things like you can be standing in a line and somebody is judging the checker for you know not going fast enough and you know or whatever it is and we have no idea or care in the world of what might be happening in that person's life and it's like if you're in that big of a hurry right perhaps this isn't the right time for you to be at the store that's really i like that and i really have been like you 
recently I really, and I'm sorry, I do look at people's uh, groceries. I'm just interested in, in what they have. And if there's something that I haven't bought before. <laughs> that's great though. That's effective. And that's also an open way to have a conversation with somebody like, wow, right? that? I want that. <laughs> but the, uh, that's true about the, like watching people, like I go and I've had a couple of times I'm on my way home, I'm tired and I'm shopping and I get, I could feel it. But awareness is what I'm saying. When you become aware, then you can say, Hey, wait, like slow down, take your time, text your mother. I love you. I'm coming home soon. <laughs> like Take the time you're waiting to do something. We've got little phones that we can be productive on when we're waiting in line now if we have to, or well, chat with the person, like you said. Right? Like I always say, yeah. take the time to do an exercise that is part of my core practices, but it's called the core non-physical feeling check-in, right? Like right here, like right that. now in this moment, I feel irritated, agitated, annoyed, frustrated, bothered, whatever it is for you, right? Like I feel, why? What's driving this in yeah. this moment? What's driving it in this moment? If it's something, and again, I'm going to go back to that external locus of control, right? It's a huge piece of changing your life. And I have, oh boy, have I taken that, that research or that, that, um, whatever. I, anyway, the theory I've taken it to all new heights, but if you're sitting there and you're, you know, like right here, right now in this moment, I feel, and it's irritated, agitated, annoyed, frustrated, bothered. And you say, what's driving it for me in this moment. And it's something outside of you, right? Like. Mm, has it's all about something out here. How much of it's for yeah. me? None of it's for me. It's all about that. Wow. What can I do in this moment to improve this going forward? I can put down my judging stance and, and step into a stance of, of a learner, of, of somebody that is kind, caring, yeah. compassionate, that is, that is whatever, right? Like, and we can change and morph. That's what I'm talking about. The practical application Instead of going, how am I going to get centered and grounded or waiting till we get to the car to, you know, or having to distract ourselves by, by our phone, huh, do a check-in man, like adjust yourself because you're in the wrong frame of mind to be out in society. <laughs> and, and that's just me giving you like my hard, my hard Sicilian truth, right? Yeah. Like you're talking about your mom, like, huh, don't come over here and be all judgy, judgy, man. Like if, if you're not in the right frame of mind to be out in society, don't. Yeah. Right. Sit in your car, get centered and grounded before you go in where you're going to bring that negative energy into my space. I'm shopping and trying to have have an, a good experience. Right. Because you never know who you're going to be around. I never know when the person I'm shopping next to is in the throes of of anorexia or the throes of, of bulimia or the throes of whatever. And who but may need you someday. That, right. If I come in with the wrong energy, I'm going to affect them. If I'm standing there going, ew, yuck, and I have to watch myself when I get to the meet, right? I have to watch myself when I get to the meet. And generally speaking, even though healed or recovered, hmm, there are days where I won't visit the meat aisle. And it's something I might lean into my husband and say, you know, it's time to go to Costco. Could you come? You know, we need meat. <laughs> Let's go. And 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 he kind of does it. And it's and it's not because I I don't want to look at, I don't like to touch it, right? Like it just yeah. To me, I think we need the washing stations by the meat counter. And I don't know if anybody else agrees with me, but you go to the meat, you touch the meat, you put it, and then it's on your hands. And yeah, we have hand sanitizer, but I got to touch my purse before I can even get to the hand sanitizer. Anyway. 
I, I just I think there's, there's, there's some things about the grocery store that to me are just not, but I got to watch myself because I could bring that energy and it could affect yeah. somebody because I'm not in my eating disorder. I'm just in a, you know, a space of, you know, cleanliness, right? Like my daughter yeah. had E. coli and, and when she was a kid oh. and, 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 you know, um, we didn't know what it was because it takes a while. Right. And, you know, come to find out it was E. coli, but by then she was in hemolytic uremic syndrome and her kidneys were shutting down. Oh my gosh. So and, no wonder you're, and yeah, then my so other daughter, you even know, more like my other daughter has yeah. had AML. And so she's a cancer survivor, which is leukemia. And um, so so, you know, we have this whole experience of, you know, wiped out immune systems and having to have like very sterile environments. And so, you know, I, I sometimes I, you know, struggle with, you know, cleanliness. Um. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I, and we're talking about, you know, the, you know, I, I remember thinking about how I had my first, you know, sober cry, sober feelings after I became, you know, bulimic free. Um, but, and then I, and then getting to know myself and then I got to be, you know, a lot less cause I, I had a bad temper when I was bulimic. I did like, and if I, you know, wanted to go eat and you weren't, like, you know, it's like, that was the worst, right. but so I calmed myself down. My, my temperament went way better, but you know, I have to admit when there's a full moon, I have to watch it. And that's when I shouldn't go shopping because I feel my temper going and when I feel it, it's exactly what you said. Just like when you're feeling when I'm going, Lorianne, you're in that mood. You're in the mood and I can feel it. I can totally feel it. So it, when I'm in the mean, not me, but mean, I just try and stay away from what might and, and conversations that might upset me. Um, I can control probably 80% of them, but there's 20% of that little me that's got that little full moon feistiness. Yeah. But you can uh, but you can always you can always control how you allow it to um to permeate inside. So even though something might be hurtful, harmful, bothersome, um, you know, we we have that ability to to not be reactive. We have the ability to say, no, you know what, I'm gonna just yeah. sit with this, right? Because until I can formulate a response that allows me to show up the way I want to see myself experiencing living the way that I can, you know, when I can experience my environment, the way that I decide, right. The way that I desire and, and not until I can show up the way that I want to be received by my environment, right. Which has to be in alignment with how I want to see myself experiencing living until I can do that. I got to sit with this. It's about learning how to sit in, and move through the uncomfortable without getting stuck, ruminating, wallowing, languishing, but also without lashing out or, you know, trying to pull somebody right. else into, to what it, what belongs to you. Yeah. Right. Awareness again. So I love this conversation. Thank you so <laughs> much, but I don't want to let you go before you can tell us. I know that you have um, you're an author. So if you tell us a little bit about that and where our listeners can find you, Tricia. Yeah. You know, last year I, I, I co-authored a book with, with a bunch of, um, cohorts, right. Um, it's the, the no problem parenting book. Um, and because I believe that 
you know, especially for those of us that are already on a recovery journey or already recovered, right? I think that it is extremely important that we take a moment, take a beat to, to evaluate and look at how we're leading by example. And I know, Lorianne, you and I had a conversation that we were open with our children, um, you know, and I think we were lucky because of the stage of our, of, of our disease, disorder, whatever you want to call it, right? Like however you identify. Um, I'm not a big fan of labels. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think we were in in the right space when it came to our daughters. I know that I, you know, there was a period there that that maybe I did them a little bit of a disservice, but there was there was plenty of time in my recovery journey to invite them in so that they could heal alongside of me where, where some of that, you know, anyway, we've got to lead by better example. We've got to help, you know, help our daughters and sons and please don't lose sight of the, the, the male adolescents, especially organized sports, et cetera, right? Like this is highly, highly, highly prevalent. I'm saying this to you as a grandmother of five children, um, you know, I have five children and five grandchildren. <laughs> I'm, I'm wow. saying this, you know, of, of, you know, between and, and I have equal parts, boys and girls, um, between the kids and the boys. And, and, you know, they all have like, you know, we've got to, we've got to lead by better example. We've got to be out loud. It's, it's no longer okay for us to sweep things under the rug and say, like, I'm dealing with it in therapy. Um, it, at least not inside of your own unit, right? Your own nucleus. You've got to trust them um, enough to, to show up for them. They may not like what they have, you know, or hearing, and they may not, you know, actually internalize or, or know the importance of the message for five years, but it will, it will reign true eventually. And we've got to know. So the no problem parenting book, um, if you're interested in, um, in that, um, getting a copy of that, my chapter is chapter number one, I get to leave right out the gate. Um, I can get you a link so that you can order it on Amazon or you can just find it. It went to, I don't know, international bestseller, something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't look for a lot of accolades in, in my work. Um, so, I, you know, I just, it's to me, it's just, I'm super passionate about helping people, you know, find the freedom that I have found in my life. And, and I know for the last 10 years, um, everybody that has come to me over well over a 95% life satisfaction rate um, when it, when it comes to, you know, um, you know, really having that ability to do that self-exploration, you know, go through the training and being coachable and, and, um, you know, getting that esteem building momentum going, um, so that we can get into some consistency and reconditioning, um, uh, you know, of, of more effective ways of being, um, anyway, you can always just find me, right. My, my name's at the bottom of the screen. If you're looking, if you're listening, well, okay. But, you know, you can just Google Trisha Perido and well, there I'll be. Um, or, or my website is turningleavesrecovery.com. And you can book a, a personal conversation with me, complimentary, no charge. I love chatting. That's beautiful. And thank you for having a passion for helping people, um, I love that this, you know, this podcast sends out the word to people and uh, and tells them also that, you know what, you're not alone um, and that there's definitely help out there and find the right one because it needs the right one to work. And uh, I'm so pleased to have had you here, Trisha. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Thank you so much. It was a true blessing. Absolutely. Take care. You as well.